Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include the spreading influence of the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, my interview with Claire Barber on cryptocurrency and blockchain technology as it relates to residential mortgage lending and mortgage industry regulatory matters, and what to look forward to in the bond market this week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company, an award-winning developer, and mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Nexus Closing is the industry's premier all-in-one closing platform. With single sign-on convenience for borrowers, LOS integration for lender workflow efficiency, and dedicated title collaboration tools, Nexus Closing connects all closing participants and streamlines the homeownership journey for customers. Visit simplenexus.com to learn more. How about the spreading influence of the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau? As attorney Brian Levy points out, CFPB Director Rohit Chopra gave a speech March 28th titled, Reigning in Repeat Offenders. But if you get past the title, the emphasis was probably more about the issue of large dominant players than repeat offenders. Levy surmised that Chopra also seemed to admit that regulatory enforcers tend to go after small players and let the big guys skate with relatively small penalties. I'm no lawyer but today I actually brought one on the show. Let me introduce to you Claire Barber, an attorney with the mortgage law firm, Polensky Bidal Green, and a member of the first ever Texas work group on blockchain matters. I brought her on to talk a little bit about cryptocurrency and blockchain technology as it relates to residential mortgage lending and mortgage industry regulatory matters. Hey, Claire. Hey, Robbie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. So President Biden recently signed an executive order to explore possible policies and regulations surrounding cryptocurrency. This is viewed by many as a critical step in the stabilization and acceptance of cryptocurrency as a mainstream asset. Speak a little bit about the recent executive order and how it provides clarity for the use of digital assets in the financial services industry, including the mortgage space. So in early March, President Biden issued an executive order directing the government agencies to basically examine the potential risks and benefits of digital assets, including cryptocurrencies. I really think there are two big takeaways from the order. First, it acknowledges the growth of digital assets and the need for the United States to play a leading role in the global governance of the digital asset ecosystem. Um, And second, it provides the framework for federal agencies to identify the challenges and opportunities presented by digital assets and establish the policy that we need moving forward. Now, are there still a lot of question marks? Sure. But no doubt this is a step in the right direction. And if anything, I think the order signals to the financial services industry that blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies are here to stay. I certainly hope so, based on the uh, the amount of crypto that I'm accumulating and, and trying to mine these days. Uh, <laughs> given the gra- given the rapid growth of cryptocurrencies, what kind of aggressive approach do you expect the CFPB to take in regard to crypto regulation and enforcement? Consumer protection is a key issue in the executive order, which directs regulatory agencies, including the CFPB, to submit their recommendations on potential regulatory and legislative actions needed to protect consumers in this space. 
Some of the policy issues highlighted in the order include access to safe and affordable financial services, uh, particularly for Americans underserved by the traditional banking system, privacy for sensitive financial data, and disclosure of risks associated with digital assets, just to name a few. Uh, you may have also seen CFPB Director Chopra release a statement stating the Bureau is committed to promoting innovation around digital assets while also reducing the risks that they potentially pose to safety and security. He's known to favor stronger oversight of financial service providers, so I expect the CFPB to want a seat at the table wherever possible. Uh, I'd also, one more note, the order specifically lists unfair and abusive acts or practices as a risk to the increased use of digital assets. So I think an expansion of state and federal UDAP laws to the development and sale of digital assets is definitely something to keep on our radar. And obviously crypto is on the government's radar considering this executive order. What sort of timeline do you expect when it comes to the federal government's actual adoption of policy and regulation of digital assets? That's a great question. Uh, Developing a a policy framework for digital assets is likely to take years. Uh, I will say there are some in this space who uh, believe that U.S. regulators can rely on existing laws to regulate digital assets without introducing any new legislation. My opinion is that the right regulation could result in more stability in the volatile crypto market and guide responsible innovation uh, of digital assets. On that note, we've already seen members of U.S. Congress introduce legislation on digital assets and blockchain technology. But it comes at you know no surprise, um, considering the current legislative environment, these haven't moved much. I think we will see more movement on digital asset and crypto legislation after the midterm election. But the simple fact is, this is an asset class, and it is an, it is not going away. So adopting a regulatory framework is definitely a critical next step. And we've also seen central banks begin to experiment with digital currency. But doesn't that fly in the face of crypto being an asset class that is free of government influence? Some would argue that, sure. Uh, I personally try to avoid these conversations, but look. (laughs) That's why I brought you on. I brought you on for that reason. (laughs) I know it's it's a hot topic, right? Um, But look, the fact is that more people are paying attention to digital money than ever before. Of course, the main argument against um, a central bank digital currency, a CBDC, like you said, is um, the the centralized infrastructure that enables control and inspection by a central bank. Unlike what we know of cryptocurrency like a Bitcoin, that um, is a decentralized network that's controlled by no one and enables privacy from government intrusion or intervention. But there are also some advantages to CBDCs, such as greater access to banking for Americans underserved by the traditional banking system or more affordable and safer payment systems for making international payments or international transfers. And I personally think we will continue to see the adoption of CBDCs to continue to increase. Uh, I believe there is nine countries now that have fully launched a central bank digital currency, 
and a handful of countries that are piloting a central bank digital currency. And last I checked, there were more than 80 countries currently studying CBDCs, including the United States, as we um, read in the executive order. The fact is, though, that the, the U.S. dollar has always been the king of global finance, but so far the U.S. has taken more of a wait-and-see approach when it comes to a digital dollar. But considering the international movement of digital currencies and American leadership in the global financial system, I'd expect to see a digital dollar sometime in the future. And I want to close with your personal opinion on this last question. When it comes to eventual federal regulatory oversight of crypto, what can we expect or what do you expect? Really, your guess is as good as mine, Robbie. Um, Seriously, I'd probably just be speculating at this point. For me, I guess the major takeaway from all of this is, is that digital assets are the future and it's a great time to just be a sponge and learn about digital assets and cryptocurrencies and CBDCs and, and engage in the conversation. I'm, I'm very bullish on the future of digital assets and blockchain technologies. Looking at bonds, although nothing in financial markets move in a straight line, mortgage rates continued to rise last week as the market continues to attempt to properly price in inflation concerns and the Fed entertaining the idea of a balance sheet runoff. The 10-year note yield hit its highest level since March 2019. Remember, though, that while yield curve inversion adds to the narrative around growth risks, it doesn't automatically signify an imminent recession. The narrative for LOs and their clients is that the affordability window is closing fast. Rates have risen dramatically over the last several weeks as home prices continue to rise at the fastest annual pace in decades. Purchase demand remains strong, as rising wages have helped some home buyers offset increasing costs, but higher home prices are taking their toll on some first-time buyers. The housing market may freeze up if rates don't come back down soon. The FOMC minutes released last week managed to stir things up in the financial markets that were facing an otherwise quiet week. The minutes, as well as recent speeches from Fed officials, suggest the committee is gearing up to combat inflation in earnest. While officials hope their decision results in a Goldilocks economy that is not too hot or too cold, they risk tightening too much or not enough. Tightening too much has the potential to push the economy into a recession. Data suggests there is still ample demand from U.S. consumers as the trade deficit remained near record levels in February. Additionally, job growth remains healthy, and there are still many more jobs available than workers who can fill them. This holiday shortened week includes an early close on Thursday, with both bond and equity markets closed for Good Friday. The Treasury will conduct a mini-refunding today through Wednesday, consisting of $46 billion of three-year notes, and reopen 10 years and 30 years for $46 billion and $20 billion, respectively. Last week, the desk purchased an average of $1.7 billion of mortgage-backed securities per day, compared with average originator supply of $3.6 billion. 70.5% of originator submissions were in UMBS 30s, 5.7% were in UMBS 15s, and 23.8% were in Gini 2s. The desk will purchase an average of $1.4 billion per day, today through Wednesday, before releasing a new purchase schedule and reinvestment amount on Wednesday. There is no scheduled economic data of note today. So, agency MBS prices are worth nearly a quarter versus Friday's close, and the 10-year is yielding 2.75 after closing Friday at 2.71%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. 
In the 1980s, I fell off my bike and skinned my knee. I'm telling you this now because we didn't have social media back then. Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the homeownership platform that unites people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, and business intelligence. To learn more about Simple Nexus and Encino Company, visit simplenexus.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.